uh, message is um, it's 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 sobering uh, because we, as we get to this part of the passage um, where Jesus and Peter interact, um, it's just a sobering situation. Okay, and. Um, as we learned from last week, Jesus had told the disciples to go to Galilee and wait for him because um, he was going to come up there and meet them. Um, and maybe it was just, you know, that they got impatient or it wasn't according to their timetable. And Peter said, hey, I'm going fishing. So uh, several of the other ones uh, said, well, well, we'll go with you. Um, and they went out and fished all that night and caught nothing. And in the morning, Jesus was standing on the shore and uh, they didn't recognize him. And he called out to them and said, did you guys catch anything? And they said, no. And he said, well, throw your net to the right side of the boat uh, and you'll find some fish. So suddenly the net was full of fish. So after John recognized that it was Jesus, Peter jumped in and swam to shore to meet him while the others brought the boat and the net full of fish to the shore. Um, and when they got there, they saw that Jesus had already prepared breakfast for them and had some fish on the coals. And, um, and he said to them, come and have breakfast. And so some points from last week that we um, saw together were one, we saw that Jesus meets us in our ordinary everyday lives. And um, number two, we saw that Jesus reveals himself to us in different ways. And, um, and three, we saw that Jesus is the source of our power and provision. Um, so after they had finished eating breakfast, the story picks up here in verse 15. And um, if you have your Bibles, please turn to John 21. And I'll, I'll read uh, the portion of this, this again, even though uh, Eric had it up there so you guys can see it uh, as we go through it. Um, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, this is verse 15, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. And that's as far as we're going to get this morning. Um, I... Uh, and putting this together, um, I, I haven't had a chance to talk to the other uh, elders, but um, there's just so much here in this passage. I didn't want to miss it and, and try to move on to the end, but I, I'd like to take one more week and, um, and go through the rest of the passage there um, where Peter's talking about, what about this man, John? So, so we'll see um, how that goes. But um, in this exchange... Between Jesus and Peter, you know, you might ask yourself, is that relevant to us? And I believe it's absolutely relevant to us here this morning. So back in Matthew's gospel, um, if you remember, there was a point in time where there was a lawyer that came up to Jesus and asked him a question to test him. And he said, what is the greatest commandment in the law? 
And Jesus answered him and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. God wants your love for him to exceed all other loves in your life. And this is what this passage is going to point out. When Jesus gives the answer to the lawyer, he is quoting from Deuteronomy 6. And um, obviously in, in the Old Testament, that was written in Hebrew. The New Testament uh, is, was written in Greek. And the word that is translated here for us, when Jesus says, to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind, uh, Jesus used the word agape, um, which I'm sure most of you have heard that before. Um, you've probably all heard that the Greeks had several different words for love. And um, uh, the word eros is love on a physical level. Then they had the word phileo, which is love on an emotional level. It's love that has more to do with a fondness or affection for someone or something as a matter of sentiment or feeling. Whereas agape, and I, I, this is a definition that I pulled, so you'll think like, where'd you get all those words? But uh, agape is, is deeper, embracing especially the judgment and the deliberate assent of the will as a matter of principle, duty, and propriety. So really, what I'm saying is agape love is a love of a higher intensity um, than uh, phileo love. So if you're like me, my emotions come and go, and uh, my emotions can especially be amped up if there's a song uh, that, that kind of grips my heart. Um, also, I mean, uh, the music guys who put music to movies do a very good job of when you add moving pictures with music, it can, it can, it can get you on the emotional level. But... Um, and that's kind of, phileo love is kind of that emotional kind of love, but, but we know that that's not a perfect love because it comes and goes with our emotions, sometimes depending on the circumstances in our lives. Um, <clears throat> but agape love is an all-in love that does not change based on circumstances or emotions. So agape is the same word Jesus uses here when he is asking Peter, do you have this agape love for me? Um, so you'll see that every time Jesus used the word love, well, not every time, we'll get to that, but <clears throat> he starts off by saying, um, Peter, <clears throat> do you love me more than these? Do you agape me more than these? Um, so we just read how uh, Jesus said that this is the first and, and uh, greatest commandment. Um, as you know from the Ten Commandments, the first commandment is you shall have no other gods before me. But if you combine that first commandment and the Ten Commandments with the commandment to love God with all your heart, then I don't think it's a stretch to say God desires us to have no other loves that are above or exceed our love for God. In fact, in the Old Testament, God refers to himself as a jealous God um, throughout the Bible. And he wants your love for him to exceed all other loves in your life. Everything else in life must take a subservient place to your love for God. And that's why this passage is sobering, even for us this morning, because God hopefully is, is going to be speaking to us this morning about where our love stands with him. So this question to Peter is very relevant when Jesus says, do you love me more than these? That is, is your love for me greater than your love 
for these. So what's the next obvious question? What are the these, right? Um, it doesn't really explicitly say what the these are. So um, I'm not going to be dogmatic on this because we don't know for sure. But um, we, there's a couple things that could, could be going on here. We, we, perhaps Jesus was nodding towards the boat and the fish and the net when he said this. Do you love me more than, than these? Um, after all, fishing was Peter's life before uh, he met the Lord. And I'm sure that he loved fishing. Um, how many of you love fishing? <laughs> okay. Um, so you know that a fisherman loves fishing, just like you all who are fishermen love fishing. And Jesus called Peter to leave his nets and follow him. He said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So there's nothing wrong with having things in life that you uh, deeply enjoy. But when it becomes wrong is when they exceed your love for the Lord. When they become the greatest love of your life. When you're willing to sacrifice your relationship with him to indulge in these things. And it begins to hinder your relationship and your walk with him. So the question, uh, it, it almost could be with Peter, could, it could have been, do you love me more than your career? Um, God may well be asking you this morning, do you love me more than your fondish, am, fondest ambitions? What it is that you hope to attain or achieve in life? Goals you have established for yourself. Do you love me more than these things or the fulfilling of these things? There are many people who lose out in their relationship with the Lord at this very point. They have a love for the Lord, yes, but um, they also have a love for other things. And their interest for other things often exceeds their interest in the things of the Lord. And thus they lose out in that relationship that God desires to have with them. It could have been that Jesus, um, another thing that the these could be, could have been, looking at the other disciples and said, do you love me more than these? Um, after all, we have in Matthew's account, when Jesus said that all would fall away when he would be crucified, what did Peter say? He said, uh, though they may fall away, I will not. And of course, we know how that ended with Peter denying Jesus three times. And then there's no record of him being around for the crucifixion either. In a way, Peter was saying, Lord, I love you more than these guys. They may fall, they may fail you, Lord, but I'll never fail you. After all, you named me Rocky, and uh, I'll be there for you, just like Rocky. Um, so it could be that Jesus is reminding Peter of that boast, and of course, it would also remind him of a subsequent failure when the chips were down. The question for us this morning is, if Jesus was having breakfast with you this morning and he set down his fork and looked you straight in the eyes, and if he asked you, do you love me more than these? What would be the things in your life that he might be referring to? What are the these in your life that are vying for your attention and would be drawing your love away from him or would be competing for your love? 
So regardless of whether the these was the disciples or the fishing and the boat, the point here is what are those these in your life that draw you away from loving God with all your heart? Um, for some, it could be a relationship with someone, an ungodly person with whom you've fallen in love, someone who does not share your love for the Lord or the things of the Lord, and perhaps they don't have the same moral values as you as a servant of Jesus Christ. Do you love them more than your relationship with Jesus? Are you willing to sacrifice your relationship with Jesus in order to continue that relationship? I personally have seen many believers who fall uh, into this trap and they've been tripped up here and they've allowed other relationships and other friendships to come before Jesus and they have compromised their relationship with Jesus in order to maintain these other relationships. And um, I don't know if I've seen any of them end well um, off the top of my head. For the most part, I see them not end well. Um, maybe the these for you is that Jesus is referring to your career. You've set high goals and high standards to get where you want to be. You're on the way to fulfilling your desires and to create a secure future financially. Maybe to get to that next level, you'll have to compromise your standards. Are you willing to compromise your relationship with Jesus in order to advance your career? These are, these are realities of life. These are real things that we're going to be challenged with in life. Um, do you love him more than these? I don't know where it originated, but probably everyone's heard the phrase, um, everyone has their price. Um, and it will cost to follow Jesus. Um, even in this passage, um, Jesus is telling Peter, you know, J John said, you know, in hindsight, this he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. But um, so Jesus was basically, even in this passage, telling Jesus, you know, it's going to cost. There's a cost to following me. He said, if any man will come after me, he will have to deny himself and take up his cross in order to follow me. But then he asked, what will it profit you to gain the whole world and lose your own soul? What profit would it be if you could fulfill your greatest ambition? If you could have your greatest relationship, career, or whatever. Think of, think, I mean, you, you, you've got desires, you've got um, things that you want to accomplish, and, and, um, and what profit would that be? What would the value be of pursuing those things and seeing them come to fruition if in so doing it would cost you your relationship with Christ? I think sometimes, like in our, in our minds, we, we don't think of it as just black and white. We're, we're more like, well, yes, I'm pursuing these things, but Lord, I, I love you. You're just kind of like second. We don't admit this, but he's maybe second or third or maybe further down the, the line in our list of priorities. And so um, we see here in this passage that... Um, Jesus is going to tie actions to love. And um, so that's what we need to look at ourselves this morning is to our actions. What are our actions demonstrating about our level of love for the Lord this morning? Jesus also asked, what would a man give in exchange for his soul? Many are willing to opt for present pleasure over eternal pleasure, present comfort over eternal comfort, present riches over eternal riches. 
Maybe the these in your life is pleasure or hobbies. Your desire for entertainment and pursuing your hobbies has robbed you of time with him. And Jesus is asking, do you love me more than these? And you're like, well, uh, yeah, Lord, but um, I, just, I don't even have five minutes in my day to pray or read your word. I just, I'm just super busy. Um, I don't know that we say that to the Lord, but I think we think it. You know, I'm super busy. And uh, so um, it's easy to say, Lord, you know I love you more than anything in the world. But when it comes down to practical realities, is that just an empty profession or is there a reality to it? John said, let's not love in word, but in deed and in truth. And sometimes you, you wonder here why Jesus asked Peter three times, you know, do you love me? I kind of see it um, like this. I kind of see it that like, if, if when you, let's just say I, I fail as a husband in my relationship with Lisa, um, and she comes to me and says, do you love me? I mean, you know, my knee-jerk response is just like, of course I do. You, you know that I love you. Um, but then she'd just go on and say like, no, you're not, listen to me. Do you really love me? And maybe a second time I'd say, well, that's just a dumb question. Of course, of course I do. Look what I, you know, the, what I do here around the, you know, in our family. But then, you know, to, to get my attention to really understand what she's asking, she might go a third time and say, look, look at my eyes. Do you really love me? Because if you really love me, then actions would follow, you know, that aren't the actions that you're doing. Um, so back to Peter, this was pretty much the position that I think Peter found himself in. When Jesus asked him, Peter, do you love me more than these? You can see how it would be hard for Peter to answer Jesus because Jesus said, he who keeps my commandments loves me. And Peter just heard that, you know, a few days before. So Peter responds by saying, Lord, you know that I love you. And the word Peter uses for love here is phileo, which would be like Peter saying, Lord, you know I have a fond affection for you. Imagine if, if, if uh, your spouse asked you, um, husband, do you love me? Do you agape me? And, uh, and then your response back to her was, well, I think you're a really swell gal. I, I'm very fond of you. You know, and that's kind of what's going on here. I mean, Jesus is asking Peter about, do you love me with that agape love, that highest level of love. And Peter's response is more or less, I'm very fond of you. I'm, I have great affection towards you. But um, I think uh, that's not the answer that, uh, that he would want to hear. Uh, I'm not sure that like anyone in this room would want to hear a term with lesser intensity if you use a certain term for love with someone and then they come back with a, a term that's less intense than you want, then I'm not sure you would want to hear that. Um, so Jesus is saying, Peter, do you love me intensely, fully, with all your being? And Peter is saying, Lord, you know I'm fond of you. 
And so Jesus asked him a second time, Peter, do you love me intensely, fully, and with all your being? And Peter says, Lord, you know I'm fond of you. So when Jesus asked Peter a third time and says, Jesus actually changes the word to phileo. And he says, Simon, are you fond of me? He came down to Peter's term, since Peter would not go up to his term. If Peter cannot rise to Jesus' level, then Jesus comes down to Peter's level, and then Peter is grieved. But Peter was not committing to the kind of love that means I am all in fully, completely, with all my heart, all my soul, and all my mind. And whether we realize it or not, we often do the same thing. We bring, down, we bring God down to our level of, of our understanding instead of the, the true understanding of, of the Lord. And you can even see this throughout the Bible um, where there is instant after instant where people would not rise to the level that God was calling them to or that he desired. <clears throat> but because of his love for us, he was still willing to meet us where we were at. And uh, probably the biggest example of this is with the Israelites where, um, of course, God was saying, I'll be your king. You know, I'll be your king. You don't need a king like these other nations. I'll be your king. But they would not rise to that level uh, with, the, with, with God. And so he came down to their level and um, basically was willing to um, accommodate them and give them a king. But it was a step down for the nation and not what God really wanted. And, um, of course, we see, you know, many ramifications of that uh, through the Word. But we also see God's grace. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning, seeing God's grace and truth. Um, are you trying to bring God down to your level? Are you trying to make compromises in your love are you unwilling to rise to the highest level of love that God wants you to have for him? So Jesus is asking us today, do you love me more than these? What things in your life would exceed or be above your love for the Lord? Those are the things that he's interested in today. And that's what he's asking us to reflect on today. The things that draw you away from him the things that keep you from loving him supremely? What are those things in your life? So we see from this passage that the Lord is extremely concerned about our love for him and so longs for our love that he would love him, that we would love him first and foremost. Um, but I don't, I want us to, I want us to have that sober experience this morning of asking ourselves, of considering that Jesus is asking us this morning, do you love me more than these? I want us to have that introspection. Um, but these were hard questions for Peter. Um, and they're hard questions for us this morning. Um, I think we can all empathize with Peter, um, but this is not the end of the exchange. And that's where the hope comes in. Um, as it says again, Jesus is full of grace and truth. And Jesus uses both grace and truth in this exchange uh, to restore Peter. He was not, Jesus' goal was not here to shame Peter, but to restore Peter. And um, so wherever you find yourself this morning, understand that the, the good news, the hope, is that God wants to restore us 
okay? He doesn't want to shame us, but he will, he does want us to look at reality. He does want us to face the reality of ourselves, but not for the purpose of shaming us, but to restore us. And um, I'm just thankful that um, he's willing to do that over and over and over again. Um, I'm just thankful that he doesn't give up on us, that he doesn't say, I'm done with you. Let's shut the door and turn out the lights, you know, and I'm going to move on down to somebody else. Um, and I'm sure that you guys can empathize with that too, that you see God pursue us over and over and over again. And um, even 70 times, seven times, and even beyond that, he will continue to pursue us to get us to have a restored relationship with him. Um, so I think we can empathize with Peter. And um, are there things in your past or present that you are ashamed of? Could be something going on in your life, you know, this morning, or something from the past that you've never dealt with. Shame, this is a definition I found for shame. Shame is a painful feeling of humiliation or distress that is caused by a consciousness of a wrong or foolish behavior, regrettable event, or an unfortunate situation or action. So I'm going to read that again. Shame is a painful feeling of humiliation or distress that is caused by a consciousness of a wrong or foolish behavior, regrettable event, or an unfortunate situation or action. And I believe this is what Peter was struggling with here. I mean, we see that this is the third time that they had interaction with Jesus. The first two times, you don't see that, like, Jesus was able to have a one-on-one -on -one with Peter. Um, and, and I believe uh, from this passage that he is having a one-on-one -on -one with Peter. If you read different commentaries, some will say, like, you know, he was doing this in front of the other disciples. But, I mean, what, what, what I feel like uh, is that maybe after breakfast, Jesus and Peter are taking a walk. And, and, and Jesus is having this interchange with Peter because uh, even during the walk, um, it says Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. So I don't think that they were just still sitting around the campfire. That's what I personally <laughs> think what's going on here. Um, so, and again, because I don't think Jesus wanted to shame Peter either in front of the others. Um, So I think Jesus is trying to restore Peter from this epic fail that he had where he denied the Lord three times. Um, first, we need to understand that the feeling of shame, uh, it originated with Adam and Eve's sin, right? I mean, when they sinned, um, it said that they uh, covered themselves because they were ashamed. Um, sometimes people do things to us that bring shame into our lives. But I think out of all the instances of when I have experienced shame in my life, it's because something that I did to myself or something, some action or inaction um, that I failed to do. So I don't know about you all, but when, when we have shame, um, these are kind of like the, the phrases that are going off in my head uh, when I feel ashamed. Um, I'm deficient. I am flawed, I am damaged, I'm unacceptable, I am unlovable, I am rejected, 
I am dirty. I'm a loser. I am inferior. I am broken. I am unusable by God. I am disgusting. Can you all identify with that? Um, just when we, when we fail, um, and we know we failed, I mean, it's like the devil uses these phrases to try to just, just say, you're, you're just an idiot, you know, you, you loser, you know. Um, God could never use you. And, and I believe that Peter was experiencing these, these thoughts and these emotions. Um, but the good news is that Jesus does not want us to live in a way that Peter or us just hides from him. Because that's one tactic that we use a lot of times if we're ashamed, right? I mean, we, we just kind of want to hide. We don't want to face it head on. If I know that I'm the cause of trouble in our marriage relationship, it's almost like I want to hide, you know, stay at work till Lisa's asleep and then come home and whatever. It's just You just naturally don't want to face up to it. You don't want to own up to it. Um, or sometimes we kick into a compensation mode that we often use just to numb our shame. And that might be what Peter did here. Just like, you know, I'm, I'm going fishing. That's when I feel most comfortable. That's when I'm in my comfort zone. And, uh, and I just got to do something to, oh, to numb this pain that I'm feeling. But Jesus wants to teach us to put our shame behind us and move forward in accomplishing what he wants us to do through our lives. And that's clearly what's going on in this passage. Um, if Peter was thinking, I don't know if I'm forgiven. I don't know if I'm still in the game. I don't know if I'm usable. After all, I'm damaged goods. Or was he thinking, I know God has forgiven me, but I cannot forgive myself. Have you ever been in that situation uh, or known someone who just, whatever the thing was that they did, you might even tell them about how they're forgiven, but they can't forgive themselves. I think the danger there is, I mean, then we're, we're kind of saying that God's opinion of us is lower than what we believe of ourselves. I mean, is our, is our opinion of ourselves really higher than God's opinion of us? We know the answer is no. Um, but by his grace, Peter or Jesus meets Peter where he is right here after breakfast. And um, the second thing that happens is that Jesus gently has a conversation with Peter in order to, for Peter to face the truth about himself. Jesus asks questions to bring out to the surface what needs to be brought out. Um, and that's really the solution to overcoming failure here is don't hide from it. Don't uh, numb the pain by distracting yourself from it. Uh, but Jesus wants to face us head on in our lives and have a conversation about what's going on to, in order to restore us, as I've said. Um, and if you see here, the last thing that happened is that Jesus affirmed Peter's value and worthiness by commissioning him for service. In, in every instance, regardless of you know, the words that Jesus used and the words that Peter used, every time the Lord 
when he said, you know, do you love me? And Peter said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Uh, then Peter said, feed my lambs. Second time, tend my sheep. The third time again, he said, feed my lambs. And, um, or feed my sheep. But um, after each question, Jesus gives Peter an assignment. And with each assignment, he's saying, I have a job for you. Um, you qualify. You're, you're not a loser. And um, have you experienced that in your life? Or are you at a point this morning where you are still feeling like a loser? You're still feeling unqualified. Um, the good news this morning is that Jesus doesn't want you to feel that way. Jesus, Jesus, he's got, a, he's got a mission for us, right? He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all that I commanded you um, to observe all that I commanded you. And so what else is Jesus going to use? Or, or, or do you think Jesus is going to find some unbroken people down here that he can use? No. So he's, he's, he's left with broken people. He's left with people that, like all of us in this room, we're broken, and uh, we're going to fail. He knows it. I mean, when he said, you know, forgive people 70 times 7, I mean, think about that, 490 times. Um, uh, hopefully, you know, I haven't used all those up yet. No. I, no, really what he was saying is, like, it's, it's, it's for infinity, you know, um, I know you're going to fall. He even told Peter, you know, when, before Peter denied him, you know, after you return from failing me, then, uh, you know, uh, come back and, and, and be a leader for me. And so um, it's interesting. I mean, see, Jesus didn't, even in this exchange, didn't say, see, I told you so. Um, <clears throat> instead, he just tries to focus Peter's attention back on what he's asking him to do. Feed my sheep, uh, tend my lambs, feed my lambs, and um, you're not a loser. I care about you, and you qualify, even as a broken person. So where are you at this morning? Perhaps as you've pondered the question, do you love me more than these? You have feelings of inadequacy, or you have feelings of failure. Perhaps you have feelings of shame from your past or something going on in your life presently. But this morning, the takeaway is that Jesus wants to meet you right where you are and restore you by bringing things to the surface, working through them, and then moving forward to serve him. What is he saying to you this morning, and how will you respond? Let's pray. Holy Father, in reading about this passage, or just John 21 in general, it's like many of the commentary people kind of said that that chapter looks like it's kind of an add-on, that um, at the end of chapter 20, John says what the purpose was for writing the book, and then all of a sudden, it's like, hey, there's one more story. 
that needs to be told. And Father, we're just thankful for this story. We're thankful for the truth of what happened there at the beach because, God, it gives us hope. And it shows us, God, that um, even though we will fail you, you love us, you want to pursue us, and you want us, you want us to get back in the game. Um, I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are full of grace and truth. And we're so thankful for your grace that we need all the time. In fact, the song this morning, Lord, I need you. So Lord, um, as we just... uh, Switch over to some discussion times, Lord. I pray, God, that even this morning, um, wherever each of us are at, God, that you would use this time, this passage, this teaching, this discussion time, Father, to bring to surface things that you want to bring to surface so that we might move forward, Father, in serving you. I ask you this in Jesus' name. Amen.